0: This is The Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple
1: Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. Welcome to The Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller, founder of Empire State Properties and host of The Miller Report. I'm sure everybody will be familiar with today's guest. He was born in Brooklyn. I think everybody on this Miller Report has been born in Brooklyn. In 1985, he became state senator representing Harlem and the Upper West Side. He got reelected 10 times. In 2006, he became Lieutenant Governor of New York. In 2008, after Governor Spitz's resignation, he became Governor of New York. In 2010, he stepped aside, giving way for Andrew Cuomo to become the Democratic Governor of New York. Welcome, David Patterson, to the Miller Report. Thank you so much for coming here. It's great to be here. It's curious to me why you didn't rerun. I'm, I, I want to know, why did you not rerun, and you set the wave, and you and you stepped aside? I didn't
0: uh, run for governor, because I thought if I did, I'd be indicted. No. I really thought that, because there were these totally, I mean, uh, President's not the... the uh, First person to ever talk about fake news. Mm -hmm. The uh, allegations, none of them that ever went anywhere, I thought were brought up by antagonists of mine who really wanted uh, for me to leave. And I think a lot of it was because of these positions that that we've discussed that I took, especially with um, trying to close the budget gap, $40 billion, and we did it in under three years. So I... you know, I really felt that it was personal. And interestingly enough, as soon as I announced I wasn't running for governor, the investigations went away.
1: Well, if you, if you have that sentiment, we'll never have any leaders like yourself. No, I, I guess not. But, at, at, you know, at that particular time. Who would ever run?
0: Um, well, hopefully these types of uh,
1: situations don't come up that much. Um, They're coming up more. Look well, at Adams. He spoke about the border and he began, they took his phone publicly.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> um, it's one of the reasons that I have the greatest respect for people who actually do. I see. And I um, was, a, a, you know, a, a, I think, you know, well-liked legislator. And then I became lieutenant governor. So w- when I became governor, I probably came in as popular as any governor that had been there. But when I started talking about cutting the budget and, and raising taxes, I unified Albany. Everybody hated me. Mm-hmm. Now, whenever I'm up there now, say, you know, you did what you had to do. And those people, but the people who are telling me that now we're part of those people who would, uh, you know, engage in that kind of ridicule. But you have to have a, um, uh, you know, strong inner, uh, uh, context to, to continue with that kind of, um, uh, you know, assault happening to you every day. And in my case, it was, um, getting close to, uh, the threat of, of, uh, you know, a criminal complaint. And at that point I thought they were capable of doing it. And that's why I, um, left the scene.
1: Thank you for sharing that, but I don't think that politicians should be intimidated for doing their job or will never have any law and order. So you didn't run, you thought you'd be going to jail? Yeah. I remember uh, the night before, the night before I made that
0: announcement, I went home and I told my wife that. And she, like, we got into a real argument about this. And she was like, how do you know you're going to get indicted? I said, because it's like you can feel it, like the, the, uh, the, the, the tension swirling all around you. And, um, and just as I thought, as soon as I announced I wasn't running anymore, uh, all of a sudden um, they called up and said, well, we'd like to wrap this up. And they uh, uh, basically ended the investigation.
1: So it's full circle because what's happening right now with the bill, with the border and Trump, it's the same thing. So people are really acting out of intimidation rather than what's good for us as a country. Yeah. What are saying? Well, you know,
0: I think there are plenty of times that I didn't allow myself to be intimidated. But uh, when you sort of realize that you're outgunned, as they wrote in The Art of War, you have to retreat to higher ground.
1: And, um, and, and I felt I had to do that. You know, Governor Pataki told me the same thing when he was on the Miller Report. I asked him the same question. And he said, "Why I do want my family to be attacked. Same thing. So we have to, there must be something we could do as citizens to allow our leaders to do their job and not be intimidated, or we'll never have any good leaders. Yeah.
0: And to be fair to Governor Pataki, when he left, he was having a pretty serious illness at that time, Mm -hmm. which I don't think he discussed publicly, but I know that when I was sworn in, he wanted to come to the uh, inauguration and the troopers came back and told me that three times on the way up and three times on the way back, he had to get out of the car and walk around because apparently when he sat, you know, uh, in a chair, it would get to him after a while. And I was very touched that
1: he went through all that to to come to my inauguration. So, Governor, this is, I call this year our Super Bowl year of politics because there's just so much going on. I mean, I can't even turn the news on anymore. There's just so much. So I want to get right into it. With the election so close, do you believe Biden and Trump are the best options for our country?
0: I think arguments are being made that they wouldn't be the best options coming out of their political parties, but uh, President Trump has just run away with the Republican nomination. That's not in doubt, and President Biden was not challenged at all. So it looks like we're going to have a rematch of what we saw in 2020. I just hope we don't have a rematch of what went on after the election. Well, that's a very good question. Do you think that we will? Well, I think that uh, there is a great deal of acrimony going back and forth between the parties. You now are starting to see right here in the United States of America, something you thought you'd only see in in smaller countries or third world nations, where when you win, the first thing you do is destroy your enemies, um, you know, either by having them arrested or, in, you know, in some countries they kill them. Well, like we gotten, Venezuela.
1: Yeah, you know, right,
0: exactly. <laughs> um, and you don't, you know, I never thought it would get to this point. I mean, I just remember the when um, uh, uh, President Bush left and, and Obama... Uh, beat McCain, the lovely things that McCain said in his concession speech about President Obama. And, uh, and so, you know, that was the way we used to do things in, in this country. But now um, the parties are so, they're, they're driven so far from each other that uh, it becomes this kind of acrimony. And I don't think it's good for the country at all.
1: Do you think President Biden will withdraw before the election? The way he's governing right now, there's
0: no indication to me that he would actually do that. And if he's come this far, I figure he would go all the way and try to win again. Uh, He did say about a month ago that he wasn't sure whether or not he would have run, but now that he's pretty sure that Trump is running, that he is going to run. So that was sort of open the door if, for some reason, President Trump didn't uh, continue, but he will. So I think it'll be a a
1: rematch of 2020. Well, let's see. On a state level, what is your assessment of Governor Hochul? Well, Governor Hochul
0: was lieutenant governor and became governor uh, just like me. Mm -hmm. And she jumped into a real difficult situation because... Uh, she had to pick a judge for the court of appeals, and the legislature really came down hard on the people that she chose. And then the inevitable uh, man that she chose was was voted down, so she had to get a second candidate. Uh, so she had a you know a kind of a rocky start, but she's really done very well uh, considering the fact that she lowered the uh, uh, budget priorities and has really honed in on where she thinks the state needs assistance. And a lot of it has to do with housing and a lot of it has to do with uh, employment. And so I think she's done an excellent job and has, you know, thwarted off uh, criticism very well. And she managed to stay out of the migrant battle between Mayor Adams and uh, and the White House. And so, you know, I think she's been very helpful. She put aside about uh, four billion dollars to help migrants in the state right now but she never really was uh, blamed or became a target uh, because the uh, White House, while people are coming into the country, really has never put forth any plan for where they're supposed to go. So places like Denver, Chicago, New York City, they have borne the brunt of this crisis and um, it's not fair, but Governor Hochul found a way to be helpful and not offensive to them at the same time, which is very, very adroit political thinking.
1: Well, don't do you think it's fair that New York City receives 100% of the migrants rather than spreading them all around to the state? Well, New York City probably doesn't receive
0: 100%, well, but we receive a pretty high percentage um, along with, uh, you know, the, uh, some cities in Texas, obviously Denver, Colorado, and Chicago, Illinois. And, it, you know, when you do something like that, first of all, they have companies who actually... Uh, help to place migrants. They do it a lot uh, overseas. And some of those companies actually got hired to do some of the work here in the United States. And in the areas where they have been able to work, the placements have been a lot easier and a lot less transition for the migrants and also the people who live there than what occurred before. So, you know, I think if they had just stopped for any period of time and thought about how they were going to place people, the situation Mayor Adams had where he got the, the people placed, but then if they couldn't find their own housing within 60 days, they had to leave. And some of them had children who were now in school. Uh, see, that's the, the byproduct of uh, poor planning. And that wasn't uh, Mayor Adams' fault. That was his attempt to adjust to the fact that the real herd of migrants that
1: came were toward the end of last summer, right before the school year. So I uh, thanks for correcting me that we, the city didn't take in a hundred percent, but they took in a large majority. And I, I it felt like a felt like it feels like a hundred percent. But I, I agree. But it also seems that the city is only pay the state is only paying twenty five percent to the city, and they're taking in way more than twenty five percent migrants. Why are they not paying more to take care of these people for their cost of living and the care?
0: I get the feel—I don't really know the answer to that question, but I get the feeling that the state felt that if they took too many of the immigrants to other parts of the state other than New York City, Mm -hmm. that the federal government would just replace them. Mm -hmm. So the total number of migrants for the whole state would spiral if the state a kind of— Offered too much assistance. That's a sad commentary on how the government acted
1: in this case, but it's true. I mean, it, you're right. I, I don't understand. Why isn't Schumer insisting the feds pay their part? It's interesting.
0: Maybe it's because it's an election year, and maybe it's because, um, the, uh, you know, people want to be supportive of the idea that people. Can come to this country when, um, uh, you know, for a better life and to avoid tyranny and that kind of thing. But no one seems to really be saying it. I don't really understand. Now, um, I, as you know, go on John Katzimatiti's show every week. I say it all the time. And uh, nothing's happened to me, at least not
1: yet. I'll keep you a bodyguard. Well, <laughs> well it maybe just because this uh, New York's already blue. It's not important. Can that be the reason? I think that it's really just a case of
0: again poor planning in the at the outset of this, and then the uh, the c- cities that have been the biggest targets have complained, and it seemed like that. Uh, Enroll them for more abuse from the federal government. And now it's just one of these situations. It's so complicated with so many different people and so many priorities that mm-hmm. um, it, it's just getting worse as time goes on.
1: Just staying with the city for a minute, let's, let's focus on the protests that are going on between the mayor and the governor. Don't you think in respect to the Middle East, all these protests that the, city, the mayor or the governor can do something when these protesters are stopping bridges and the tree lighting and airports? What more could be done?
0: Well, everybody has freedom of speech, and everyone has the right to assemble. That's in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. However, you don't have a right to disrupt government function, or to interfere with, say, the tree lighting, which is a, a done privately and is done with resources. It, it's just like going on someone's private property and um, and you know uh, wrecking whatever it is that, that that people don't like about it. I've been shocked by the amount of protest and who's actually protesting. I think it's appalling. Um, you know, as a, an African American, uh, the civil rights unit was. The civil rights movement was practically financed by Jewish contributors who not only gave money but went to the South. And, of course, two famous mm-hmm. uh, New Yorkers uh, who were Jewish were killed in Mississippi in 1964. And, uh, you know, there's always been this, this great relationship. And then you see people that you wouldn't expect turning on a community that was attacked in other words, the only way that all these protests can occur is that Hamas attacked Israel. And why would that become a basis to complain about anything that Israel is doing? I don't understand it. I think it's outrageous. And I believe that the uh, in, in some of the places where it happened, the um, governments there were a little caught off guard. They didn't know the pre protests would be that large. And they didn't know they'd be that violent because they always said they were protesting to, for the uh, way that the Palestinian uh, citizens were being treated. But the fact is the Palestinian uh, uh, Palestinians um, were put in a difficult position when Israel, as they had to, tried to defend themselves.
1: Well, thank you for that. I do recall during the uh, protests of George Floyd, the Jewish community came out in in helping as well. So I'm glad that you pointed that out. But what do you think about Pelosi's accusation that these are uh, protesters are being sent from China and Russia? What do you think of that? Well, I don't know if I agree with it, Mm -hmm. but
0: it feels like it. (laughs) In in, in other words, some of the protests have been Mm -hmm. well-funded, well-planned, equipment, uh, you know, and, and, And structures that made it difficult for the police to stop the protests when they became violent. And so, um, you know, I don't know if Putin actually sent any weapons over, um, Madam Speaker, but certainly I think. She was frustrated at the same thing that frustrates me as to why did the protests suddenly become attacks on Israel? If you wanted to protest the fact that the Palestinians were too close to danger, you could do that. But it appeared that the protesters themselves were looking for uh,
1: opportunities to attack, not only verbally, but physically. Well, we're going to see what happens there because I think she might be onto something. Let's move on to congestion pricing for the city. Do you think it should go into effect now? I think that uh,
0: when Mayor Bloomberg first approached me about congestion pricing, Mm -hmm. I thought it was a good idea. He he had his first press conference. He was introduced by Arnold Schwarzenegger, who had done some of this out in California. And uh, the mayor at the time wanted to come and meet with the state assembly and the state assembly wouldn't meet with him. So there's been a, you know, pretty persistent opposition to congestion pricing all through the process, but it did finally pass. And I think right now, because of the problems that we had with COVID and now the fear and anxiety that people have over just what seems to be a city that isn't as safe as it had been before, in spite of great efforts by those in government to try to uh, make it the contrary, that it's, it's going to be a difficult thing to, uh, to make work. And it's also going to cost um a, a, a lot of money to people who who are in uh, going to the central business district and going in and out and in a sense paying fares to to to, uh, to come into the city. Years ago, we tried to implement a commuter tax which would have effectively uh, taxed people who worked and used transportation to get in and out of the city. It never really, came to fruition in the way we had planned it. And so the second time around, I mean, I I hope it would work. It would bring great revenues into the city and enable us to uh, address a number of projects that haven't been to this point. But I don't know if it can uh, project the same revenues that it would have prior to all of the problems we've had in the past couple
1: of years. Because people don't need to come to New York as much, so you don't think, it will, you're, not, you're not in favor of it.
0: The pandemic caught us, you can stay right. home. Right. You know, it might not be good for you psychologically to be home all the time, but it certainly is less expensive. And so all of the uh, the activities that come with an individual coming to work five days a week where they eat lunch, uh, their travel um what they might do after work with their friends, all of that has diminished. And so that revenue generation isn't going to be there at least for a while. I read somewhere that um, in the real estate uh, industry that the workers are coming back uh, more than they did before. So maybe we're moving in the right direction.
1: I hope so. I'm just going to move back to uh, what I found interesting. When you were a state senator and lieutenant governor, you endorsed the idea of non-citizens having voting rights. Can I ask why you did that and would you do that today? I wouldn't do it
0: today, but at the time I had read, and it turned out to be true, that non-citizens were actually voting in um, local elections in 22 states, uh, before World War I and, uh, you know, then in, in World War I and then also in World War II, uh, you know, the, the country was under attack. So the non-citizens, many of them were perceived to be possible threats. So the idea that they would be voting uh, would be something that they hadn't earned. They could apply for citizenship and they can get citizenship. And inevitably, um, I, that was a position I took at the time. That uh, was not one of my better decisions.
1: Well, thank you for, for saying that. But when I read it, I was thinking like, how how would anybody keep price on that? How would you be able to figure out the cost? And it's very expensive to figure out who should be eligible, who should not. Where do you draw the line? Well, if that were the case,
0: mm-hmm. as it was before World War I, mm-hmm. um, they weren't really distinguishing when it came to Voting who was a citizen and who wasn't. You just registered where you lived.
1: Got it. So you would not do that today?
0: No. Okay. No, I wouldn't do that today.
1: So currently there is a bill from the Senate which authorizes financial support for Israel, Ukraine, and the border security. Do you believe this is a good bill? I, I, I think it's a great bill.
0: And I think that um, the Republicans have been pushing this kind of... Uh, legislation for a while, they insist that border security become a part of it. And now it appears that the White House has acquiesced to their wishes. But President Trump has said that it's a bad bill. Why? And I really don't understand what he's saying. In other words, he's not really saying anything substantive. He just says, I think that no bill is better than a bad bill. I think what he really is saying is, I want to be the one to pass the bill. But if it's the emergency that he's been saying that it was for the last three and a half years, you would think that... Rather than thinking about himself, he'd think about the best uh, for the country. Many of these states still having large numbers of immigrants coming into the state. Mm-hmm. The state of Texas now pushing back by putting up barbed wire in the way and when the federal government told them to take it down. Right. They told the government what they could do with the barbed wire themselves. And so it's my view that uh, this would be a very good bill to pass. There seems to be a compromise in that uh, President Biden has significantly relaxed his point of view based on uh, the, the outrageous numbers of migrants now and the inability of the governments to to uh, uh, to, to service all of them. In the end, everything comes down to economics. Uh, follow the money. <laughs> follow the money. And well, you know, what was interesting is some of the great civil rights victories, while they were great as civil rights victories, they also um, solved the problem that a lot of these governments had where they had to support two different school districts, they had to support, uh, you know, uh, busing, which would be half white and half black, and inevitably uh, their economies um, soared after integration. Uh, after the 1954 Brown versus Board of Education decision and the 1964 Civil Rights Act, and so the governments actually survived, and it's it's not the same type of problem. But what's analogous is right now you've got entities that have too many people and too many interests, and it and the budgets just like if you spend too much money on your own can't afford it. Can't afford it. So you think it's going to pass? Well, it's not clear because President Trump has a very strong influence on the Republican Party.
1: He's still not. He's just a citizen at the moment. He's just a citizen, but he has
0: this capacity to uh, get a very large percentage of the population to uh, to listen to him, and he is exercising it in this particular case. But it almost contradicts, as I said before, What's good for what country. he'd been saying up to now, which is that they don't do anything about the border. So now they're good doing something about the border, but he wants to do it, so he um, kills it off and um, uh, you know would probably hand them back the same bill next uh, January if he wins.
1: We'll see. So let's move on to real estate. What is, I mean, every city needs infrastructure, you need police, you need teachers, you need sanitation. And right now, it's very difficult. There's no permits being built. There's like nothing going on for the next year. People, developers don't want to build. What is your solution to, I don't call it affordable housing. I call it middle income housing. What is your solution to this? It's really getting squeezed out by
0: the the housing that goes for people who can't afford housing at all. Right. The shelters and 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 those entities, and then the uh, as we have in New York City, a lot of housing for people who are middle class and upper middle class and actually quite wealthy, and that construction, as you just pointed out, has diminished to a certain degree, at a time when we would probably really need this with the number of occupants in the jurisdiction, rising. And, uh, and you know, this, it, particularly in New York, goes back to, uh, you know, w- when the country was first formed itself, uh, each, uh, each of the cities probably commanded the same amount of economic development. So, for instance, in the 1820 census, which is the first one they ever did, through... Uh, uh, New York, which was 3% of the population, did 3% of the business. Philadelphia, 2%. Charlotte, North Carolina, 1% of the economic development. But New York started using its its natural resources to get ahead of everyone else. So uh, by 1840, all those numbers had changed largely because of the building of the Erie Lackawanna Railroad and the establishment of the Erie Canal. New York realized that we are an hour and a half uh, less shipping time to Europe than any of the other eastern seaboard states. And so, New York, by the 1840 census, now had uh, 13% of the population and was doing 48% of the economic development in the whole country. And uh, that's how we got to this status. And we've basically maintained it with some dips. You know, in the 70s, there was a dip. There was um, a recession in 1991 that did it, and obviously one in 2008, which really did a number on the real estate community here. But I don't see any reason why, if we all didn't um, follow the edict of our ancestors, start building again, and we'll reap the results.
1: Thanks for the history. Of New York, <laughs> but do you think it should be the federal government that bills? Do you think it should be private, and if it's private, don't you think the government should be giving them incentives like well they I used think, to. Uh, as, after
0: all the migrants the federal governments in, and they here they should bill, but I doubt that they will. but I do think that um incentivizing through the tax law is a great way to spear uh development, and also the partnership sometimes between major developments and um and
1: other developments. Are you sure you're a Democrat? Yeah, <laughs> um, last I checked. <laughs> Let's move on to the bill that Adams vetoed making police officers spend the majority of their time doing all this administrative work. First of all, do you think we need more police officers?
0: Well, we need more police officers because the crime rate rose But we especially need more police officers because of the officers who are leaving right after their 20th year. In other words, they do their 20 years, they have a pension, and they're out. Most police officers didn't want to do that. They continued to work, some of them 30, 40 years before they left. They're leaving even sooner. Now, the the legislation that passed is going to make it difficult if the police have to document every time – they uh, talk to a citizen. So if someone asks them for directions, they not only have to now will tell the um, citizen, uh, you know, w- uh, what direction to go in, but then they have to write it up. Seems a bit much. I think the reason that there was such controversy about this bill was the study that they did before the bill was actually passed that 97% of the people who were stopped were black and Hispanic. Now, whichever way these uh, council members voted on the bill, that's a situation that needs to be addressed because there may be an unintentional bias, but there's some kind of um, feeling that the police officers have that they need to change because in the number of stops that were made, there were very few arrests for anything. So I think that's the reason why it became such a controversial issue. And, um, I got stopped myself by a police officer six weeks after I came out from being governor.
1: (laughs) Well, did you get arrested?
0: Uh, no. Um but b- you get stopped for? I got stopped because I ran up the steps coming out of the subway and he immediately stopped me, I guess thinking that I'd robbed someone. I was dressed exactly the way I'm dressed now. And during this conversation another citizen walked up and said, Officer, I really don't think you should speak that way to anyone, least of all the governor of the state <laughs> of New York. Then as I'm walking away, the officer asked me to come back. He said, were you really the governor? And I said, yes. He said, would you take a picture with me?
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it would be nice if the police would do that today. Right now, it seems like their morale is very low. Speaking of, um, of the bills this week, it's just been a big thing for the police. What about this solitary confinement that's been vetoed as well? Like, it just, what about that? I
0: think Mayor Adams got stuck on the definition of solitary confinement. It's an international definition that came from the UN, Mm -hmm. and it had to do with separating someone for long periods of time, at some points not feeding them. I mean, in other words, really um, exacting retribution on someone who's not following the rules. As it is, has been, In the police department, they sometimes separate people if they got into a fight or something like that. And what the um, city council members wanted to do was to stop that. And um, Mayor Adams feels that that would um, impinge upon the safety of people in the correctional facilities and also the corrections officers and the police officers who... um, you know, are in those facilities, uh, off and on at the same time. I think that um, the, I think that the the city council members will realize that what Mayor Adams was talking about when he he said there's no solitary uh, confinement four here hours now uh, is that it's four hours that that is still a long period of time to separate people and and then it's not even as much uh, how long the time is it's how often you do it to certain individuals so I think there's also a mental health uh, issue there that neither side really addressed um, and so I think that the um, I think that although it was a controversial debate I think they will find a solution that works for everyone.
1: Speaking of mental health, when I had uh, Bill de Blasio on the Miller Report a few weeks ago, he said that he, when he was in office, there was 20% less mentally ill people on the streets. As I walk the streets, I see so many more dangerously mentally ill people. Why is that? It's
0: because in the mid-80s, it was a big fight uh, about these mental facilities. And you had uh, some of these movies like One... Oh, 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 flew over the cuckoo's nest and the strike and these other, uh, uh, movies that really dramatize the mistreatment of mental health patients. And, um, the movement ended with, um, a deinstitutionalization where more people are treated as outpatients when they really should be, um, uh, uh held in, in a facility. And, uh, At the time I was working on those types of issues of when you actually have the right to keep someone in a mental institution when I worked for the Queens DA's office. And so what's happened over uh, a period of decades is more and more people are not being housed, they're just being treated and then they don't come to the appointments and there isn't significant, you know, it's not like you can put a warrant out when there's a criminal issue. It's a mental health issue, and you don't want to do that. The best way not to is to not allow some people to be out in the first place based on their conduct and what uh, the professionals uh, diagnose in their behavior. So, you know, I think it's, a, it's an issue that could get cleaned up more quickly than you would think if people in that authority would commit themselves to that and recognize the mistake that we all made – nearly 40 years ago when we started this deinstitutionalization process
1: it sounds like mayor adams has a very tall order to help with, the, with the city what is your assessment of him i think that he has um,
0: been under greater stressful situations as mayor than any other time even after september 11th there was a great deal of help that we got from the federal government and we were uh, united and, and 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 we were united at, at at that time, and people really worked together. But in the situation that where it is now, I mean, you send one hundred and sixty thousand immigrants to a city, and then get upset when the mayor complains about it. So he's got that stress. They removed him from the president's re-election campaign committee because he complained about the migrants. Mm-hmm. It's like he can't get a break. And then he had you know had the situation with where he's trying to really restore crime fighting mm-hmm. to the city, which would you know seem to be not happening in the administration before his. And he comes up against the city council who theoretically are making the police officers jobs more difficult or it's going to take them more time. And that by itself is as if you reduced the number of people on the force. So I would think for all of these issues that have come up in about two years that weren't there before he got there, I'm surprised that he's still walking around and breathing and speaking clearly. Because it, 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 uh, it takes a lot to be the center of attention and the one who everybody blames uh, when something goes wrong. And a couple of times he's reacted to it, which... I think is, is fair. But at, at the same time, uh, you can, uh, you tell that even when they were investigating him, I thought it was highly unusual that you went and took somebody's cell phone away from them when you could have just called up and gotten it. And yeah, maybe he could have erased everything off of his cell phone. You really can't erase an embarrassment. Yeah.
1: Do you think he's going to finish his term?
0: oh, I'm sure he's going to finish his term, and I'm sure he's going to run for Mm re-election. And um, at that time, uh, because of the uh, anxiety and stress that he's under, there are people who are openly making it clear that they might try to take a run at mayor themselves. Like who? Uh, Like Scott Stringer, the former controller. He's actually already
1: said it. What about Andrew Cuomo? I don't think
0: Andrew Cuomo wants to be mayor of New York City. And I don't think he would ever want to run against Mayor Adams. I think Andrew Cuomo, you know, um, I had lunch with him recently, and what I got from that lunch is he really wants to be back in as governor. Like, he misses being governor. He doesn't Can't like to Can't go way- from
1: governor to mayor, right?
0: Yeah, uh, well, uh, no one has done that yet. <laughs> and, uh, and no one's ever gone from mayor to governor either, right. which is kind of interesting. But he... Um, I, I don't think he that's the office he'd want to run for. If, let's say, Mayor Adams had to leave mm-hmm. and the office was open and the poll numbers show that of the remaining uh, potential candidates that he would get the most votes, he might do it. But I I just I, I don't think that's where his heart is. Save New
1: York. So, Governor, what about you? Would you consider running for office again?
0: I'm with Andrew. You're with Andrew. No, I'm with Andrew. If I, if I ever ran for anything else, it would be Governor. It's a... It's, uh, I just thought it was a great job. You go around the state and you see so many people that have different problems, but they are um, great people and they try to do the best they can. And it was really, uh, you know, an honor to to serve the people of the of the state of New York. And it was fantastic. Um, just some of the things that went on while uh, uh, you know while I was governor, and and you know, I had an hour. To prepare for becoming governor, and uh, I thought that I
1: used the hour well. (laughs) You have a very good reputation. If you were governor, other and you sat in that chair again today, and this is, I always ask all my guests as the last question. This, this is because a lot of people are listening. I think we're up to nine hundred thousand viewers. Other than security, what do you think the two things would be most important items to keep the real estate values strong and deter? more people from leaving the city? Well, I
0: think the way to deter people from leaving the city is to diminish the amount of resources that they themselves have to give to the government in, in taxes. Now, that's not always possible. And, of course, uh, when I was governor, we had the highest escalation of a budget deficit in one year that was ever experienced by any state in the United States, ever, ever. And, you know, I just happened to be the person who came along and happened to be governor at the time. And we did have to cut a lot of services, and we got uh, ridiculed for it. In fact, um, the Hustle Workers Union did a commercial where they had a blind person complaining to me about how I'm treating other blind people. (laughs) It wasn't other blind people. It was everyone in the state. But we got out of the financial crisis. Governor Cuomo closed it out in the first few months of 2011, and we were the first state out because we were the first state that addressed it. I think that same type of uh, government theory will keep people in the the city and also in the other regions of the state. What will not keep them there and why uh, upstate has lost a huge amount of population is that they don't have the economic development up there that they once did. So, you know, you had IBM and Rochester and, and all these other great companies were in New York State, and they left. And now, in the cities, find, you find people following them. The only way to do it is, why are they going to these other states? Money. Well, money. Um, they don't have to pay the same amount in taxes. And I'll tell you something that's happening in the city right now That's really needs to be addressed, the companies we have in the city are losing contracts to out-of-state companies because the encumbrances that have been put on those companies by the New York City Council and the New York State Legislature have put them in a position where they are in uh, really unable to compete for their own bids. So, for instance, in New York City, we have a 15... 15- Uh, dollar 50 cent minimum wage in Pennsylvania, their minimum wage is $7 and 25 cents. So the Pennsylvania companies can, can put in lower bids than the New York city companies. And that's going to be the next problem when the companies start leaving.
1: Well, we do need the companies in New York. I wish we had Amazon here. We lost 75,000 jobs and, um, on that note, I want to thank you for coming on The Miller Report. You've been fantastic, and maybe you will run again. I'll vote for you. Thank There's you. one more vote than I thought I had. <laughs> thank you again. Thank you for tuning into The Miller Report. Please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You know how to book flights and hotels.